0: The Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is partnered with Red Energy. Moving is hard, but switching your electricity and gas is easy with Red Energy. What do we say? Don't Don't Shoot shoot the the Messenger. messenger. Don't Shoot the Messenger with Caroline Wilson and Cory Perkin.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger for another year. It's 2024. This is episode 296. I'm Cory Perkin and... As usual, I'm here with my very dear friend, fellow potty, basking in her new role as a grandmother of two, Caroline Wilson. Lovely to be here, Corrie. Lovely to be back. For uh, We did
2: our first show in 2017, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22... Twenty three, twenty four. I love the way you're holding up This is fingers. That's how I always count years. This is our eighth year.
1: It is indeed our together. eighth year. And very soon we will be having our 300th episode. We'll tell you a bit about that in a moment because Potties are invited to join us. But please tell us about your very good news that happened, I think actually the night that we recorded our last... We did. Yeah, we did our last show for the year and Brendan and
2: I were sitting at our favourite local Indian restaurant. We'd finally got there and we received a call from Rose saying you better get round here. And I said, we've just ordered dinner and her husband, Oscar, got on the phone and said, get (laughs) takeaway. So we did get takeaway. And uh, the following morning, late, late, late morning, uh, little Agatha was born. Agatha Zoe Hedstrom. She's an absolute darling. She turned six weeks old the other day. We call her Aggie or Agatha. She's beautiful. And it wasn't a name I had any idea. I knew Rose was looking at a couple of names. Clementine, the daughter over in London, got the scoop before me, but um, no, she's stunning. She's gorgeous. Oh, I've
1: had a few holds over summer. And um, isn't it funny because our baby Jack was going to be Aggie they were talking about that as well, so there you go.
2: Amazing. We could anyway, have had, we
1: could have had two Aggies in our life. I doubt we would have.
2: But anyway, no, no, it was it's, um, it was it was really it was. I was there for the whole thing, at the Royal Women's Hospital. It's quite stressful watching your daughter give birth, but it was great, and it ended really well. There's always the odd complication but it all comes out in the wash and um, she doesn't look anything like her big sister Sunday but they're two very sweet little girls and I could not be happier.
1: They are gorgeous together. Could
2: not be happier. So,
1: Caro, that is great news and we all celebrate with you and um, aren't we lucky and blessed. And... Uh, Our poddies will be lucky and blessed if they would like to join us for our 300th birthday celebration because we are going to have an absolute ripper of an evening. This is a live podcast event on Thursday, the 29th of February, which is, of course, Leap Day. And we will gather around about 5.30 for a six o'clock start at Bell's Hotel at 157 Moray Street, South Melbourne. So it's not all that far from Kingsway, and um, great place and we can't wait to see you. All the details you can look at our show notes or our Facebook page or don't shoot pod on Instagram for details. And um, we'd love to see you there. And our special guest is drumroll, bomber coach Brad Scott. Brad Scott is
2: coming in to tell us about with one of the first interviews he will give this year on the eve of the 2024 season, which will be very exciting. I'm really looking forward to chatting to Brad about all manner of things. We've got a few other good friends, old friends of the podcast, Anna from the Op Shop to name one, and we're looking forward to seeing you all there. So please get along.
1: When you took me to the Brownlow last year as your date, um, I was quite overwhelmed to have Brad Scott and and Mrs. Brad, Brad and Mrs. Brad. And Mr. Brad's Chris wa- Scott. Brad's and wife, Penny, in fact, when she and, has a name. And Mr. And Mr. the other. Um, Chris. was Chris's, Chris Scott's lovely wife's name? I can't recall. No Sarah. Yeah, that's right. And they all said, oh, we all listen to the podcast. I know. The so that was great. So it's lovely to I, have I don't know Brad. if the
2: blokes actually Oh, listen. I
1: think they, they do, I think. It, didn't didn't Chris Scott once stop us on the walking trail and talk about a recipe, or did I just dream? No, he,
2: we we stopped him on the walking trail and we did not talk about a recipe. Speaking of recipes, Corey, because we've eaten and drunk and read and watched our way through January, we're doing an extended BSF today. A couple of small changes to our fabulous format. We've got a wonderful new. We we can now call him a full time producer. Can we? We can. Even though he's coming cu- to... and
1: running for a couple of weeks. Welcome yeah, that's right. Why are you going to the Super Bowl? Welcome to the <laughs> panel, literally. Joel, hello. Welcome, welcome. Joel. Great Books. to have you. Hi Caro. Hi Cory. How are we? Great to have you. And it's great to have Harriet, your little girl here with us who is um Harriet made us bracelets, which she is has. very impressive. Miss Jane bought
2: flowers. Harriet's made bracelets. We're sad you're going to be at the Super Bowl. We're sad for us. We're not sad for you. You're going off with Jared Whateley, which will be fabulous.
3: I am. I'm leaving this Saturday uh, off for 11 days. So um, I will miss the family, but I'm going to have a good time over there. So, you miss us as yeah. well. Will, Joel, <laughs> Hello. Hello, Joel. Remember, <laughs> family comes like, first. would
1: you rather listen to a carrot cake recipe or go and watch the Super Bowl? I'll Who, tune in. Uh, Taylor Swift, I think. Isn't she singing at the Super oh, Bowl? Oh, yeah. There's,
2: and it's new and old. Like there's a, the team that... Everybody is loved for years, and then the new kid on the block. So who's your tip?
3: Uh, I think I'll go with the Chiefs because they've got uh, Patrick Mahomes, who's just the man. He's he's had it, he's got it done over the last few years, and um, I suspect he'll do it again.
2: We look forward to your review of the halftime entertainment.
3: <laughs> so that's Usher. So it's um. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Taylor's coming here, Corrie. Oh,
1: I thought th- I thought she was. Singing.
2: coming. I here. thought she was singing at the so Super Bowl her, her as boyfriend
3: well. Is playing? Oh, um, okay, got it. So she'll so probably be there. She will be there. Oh, this
1: that's what I read, Carol. I'm not a complete idiot. It if said you, that she was going to be at the Super Bowl, so I just went, Oh, If you, know, you if you listen okay. to the
2: sounding board, Hutchie and Damo have an obsession with this relationship. Like an obsession. Megan Who, Harry Who. There is only one relationship going on in the world and they have a different theory every week.
3: Hutchie's been on it from the start and he's um yeah. Right across it.
1: Oh, you see, everybody deep down inside has a new idea inside them, just itching to get out. We but all love those paparazzi sections of those magazines, and Hutchie just seems to be obsessed by Taylor Swift. this
2: This story has every element that makes up his entire life. If you come to our 300th, not only do you get to meet Miles Thompson again and hear his wine tips, he'll be on in a moment as well. Not only do you get to meet Brad Scott, but you get to meet Joel Brooks. So get along on February 29 to Bell's Hotel.
1: Yeah, safe travels,
2: Joel. Hurry home. Thank what you. What are we going to do without it. you?
1: You're here and now you're gone.
2: <laughs> hey, Corey. Joel, has come a long in. Year. Joel is coming. It's Joel is coming at a special us. time today because you. We're unable to do our normal time because your little second granddaughter Willow had her first day of school. Oh my gosh. So you you dumped the podcast, you I dumped did. the morning start.
1: Yeah, and, and poor and poor Joel who's been babysitting. But ha- look, Harriet, your Harriet's having a lovely time here. Look, um hello to everybody who is trying to get a child out the door this week as we record to either the start of kindergarten, the start of daycare, or indeed the start of prep. Hattie, who was the old prep hand, she was off to grade one and she was showing Willow the ropes. Willow was very tentative, very nervous, and in fact, we were so concerned about her separation from her mother, which has been a little bit of an issue this summer. Um, Charlie, my son in law, said right, took her hand and just whisked her off, and apparently, according to Charlie on the phone later, um he was there for most of the first period, I think, sitting up the back, and Willow was pretty bereft at times crying, and the lovely teacher gave her um, uh, a Cinderella doll to play with and still, she didn't want that at all and just threw it at her father. So Charlie said he sat up the back of the – on a little chair, sat up at the back of the classroom holding his Cinderella doll. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> Until he could sort of leave. But I think there are a lot of children who are feeling anxious about this and um, I just want to recommend a book that I used to recommend in the bookshop by Jane Godwin and Anna Walker, the illustrator, and it's called Starting School – And we used to recommend it all the time because it has a series of characters. There are maybe six or eight kids and it's each of their responses to their first day at school. You know, the new shoes, the excited children, the nervous children, the child who doesn't want to leave its teddy bear, the child who's crying. And then at playtime, of course, they all come together with their different interests and then at the end of the day, the mums and dads and grandparents, everybody's there to pick them up. So I had a lovely day at school this morning. So thanks, Joel and Caro, for changing our recording time ever so slightly. Corrie, a brief bit of homework before we talk about our summer. Stephanie
2: Andrews wants to thank us for playing her question about, maybe she wasn't sure about what to buy as a present. She took our advice. um, She ended up getting wine and the Stephanie Alexander book. Margaret Ewens wants to come to our podcast and wants some um, accommodation tips around the South Melbourne area. So we will come back to you next week, Margaret, about that. Deb Burdett disagrees with some of the comments about Heidi. Remember I Mm. said my sister was...
1: Bit Unimpressed just... or something.
2: There's a few others who Anyway, um, she says it's fabulous. She wants to know the name of the Terry Hills Nursery in Sydney, out of Sydney, I recommended on one of our last podcasts. It's actually called The Beautiful Cafe. It also has a cocktail bar. is called The Palms. It Remember I showed you the giant yes, yes, hydrangea? Yes, yes. It's called The Palms and it's a Terry Hills Nursery in Mona Vale Road. She loved Jimmy Webb and agrees Ma- Mafia Mama was dreadful. So there we are. <laughs> there we are, Corey.
1: Oh, well, that's another reason not to watch it, and I didn't. But I will be talking about a very peculiar moment I had um, watching something on Netflix when we get to six quick questions, Carol. So let's talk about our summer holidays. Let's completely indulge. And I do feel, as I said to you the other day when we were walking, it was a summer of great intentions. We all started off with with a game plan in mind. Probably, for in my case, it was predicted. Uh, uh, it was. It was. Um, Preempted by the um, the Bureau of Meteorology coming out at some point in in I guess October November, so we saying we were going to have a very very hot summer. You so told course, me that. Of course, you said it's going to be we went, the hottest summer we, ever. We, we went we went off to uh, to find our electrician who put in um, a. a an air conditioning unit for us because I was absolutely convinced that the Should ceiling ce- fans ceiling fans were not going to work. We've used it twice. <laughs> so there you go. Uh so tell me, Caro, this summer of great intentions, we had so many goals we set, we failed to achieve, things we did achieve, uh disappointments, surprises. Why don't we start with goals we set and yet failed to achieve? Let's start with the with, well, the,
2: with the bad. I I rejoined um, our local yoga club, of which you'll remember my intention was to go two or three times a week. I managed about once a week. I noted that. I was going to um, improve my bridge. I played about three times, maybe four times at most. But you had a second... I'm off to... did With, with Mum, actually, yeah. yes. I'm off to Congress, as you know, later in February, so... So excited about very, that. Very, very nerve-wracking. I realised I had a lovely visit from an old old English friend called Emma, who you met, and um, who you've met years ago. But anyway, um, she all she wanted to do was big coastal walks. So we went on some massive coastal walks, and I thought... Now that, you know, there are so many places you can't walk your dog, we we don't really do big coastal ocean walks anymore. So that was really good, although not enough. I made jam for the first time. I made apricot jam for the first time because for the first time I correctly netted all my fruit trees. I didn't do nearly enough gardening, but I did do a bit of gardening. Um, I came home one day to see my husband digging out our old lemon tree that a friend had come round and recommended we got rid of it because it was looking a bit motley. There was no lemon tree. Dug the whole thing. No discussion out. with you. No, oh,
1: no. It's a brave man. That we do have a, another. brave man that doesn't ask permission from you, Caroline. We do
2: have another one. But um, I received actually a very unusual. Well, not an unusual Christmas present. You probably know about this company. Um, the kids join me in a um, postal book club, and you receive a book every every month. For... Well,
1: we to, yeah, we used to do that at the bookshop. Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Well, this is called the um, Literati Book Club, and I, th- I don't know if it's international or not, but my, I, I get a book every month for six months.
1: From a shop or from, from this organization?
2: an organisation, an okay. organisation, and the a, lot, a lot of
1: bookshops do that. Yeah,
2: it's a. Rec- it, I think it's international. Anyway, my first one arrived. Nathan Hill's Wellness.
1: Oh, good. So, have you read that? No, I don't. That. Okay, so let's talk about. I'm excited about let's that. Let's talk about my goals that We've I set in. One failed. more
2: thing, we played a bit of Scrabble, but probably not as much as we would normally do. Not as much. I did spend a lot of time with beautiful Sunday and Aggie. We were doing a fair bit of babysitting,
1: you yes. and I. But I was also working full time on the. Festival, so that was a bit of a which that's a a been surprise. well,
2: that's been unbelievable. You've sold all your early bird tickets, yeah, in about two weeks or something. I know, so extraordinary.
1: Just, so, for those potties who are just wondering what on earth has happened to the tickets, um, that when the program is released in the middle of February, the day passes and the individual session tickets will go on sale, so you haven't missed out, but the early birders. There was a very limited number, and they actually get first dibs for about four or five days before we take it online. But don't worry, there's lots. There's like 115 events, so you'll all get to something fabulous. But just talking about scribble, congratulations, it's great. Um, it's no, thank you. It's really good. But talking about stuff that we didn't achieve, uh, I um I was walking around our coast, um, at our favorite beach, just before December, and I spied a boy. Somebody had bought their their, their um their boat out. And B-U-O-Y. Yeah, yeah thank yep. you. I'm not I'm too old to be looking at boys. And okay. I thought, right, that's going to be my mission. I'm going to, over summer, um, build up the swimming and just go out to the boy and back again. That's going to be my mission. I think I've been for three swims. No boy, No, no boy in sight. No, well, we were swimming one day and you said every day I'd do another boy or another boat and yeah. I'm going to keep going and keep going. Never made it. Never made it. That's a huge disappointment. I'm sort of blaming the weather, but I'm also – blaming Barry the stingray who has been sighted again. Brendan says it's as big as our living area. It's huge. I mean our living area
2: is not that big but you know I wouldn't want to be over a stingray that big.
1: Well our friend Bunty was swimming along the other day and apparently Barry was about 6 feet underneath him as he was swimming. Which would terrify me, so I've just been a little bit aware of that. Not to mention the um, the shark at <laughs> Sorrento, wherever that may be. The other thing, I the goal I set and failed to achieve was dinner on the beach most nights because it's so easy, and it's just been too cold. And the other thing was, um, as those who follow my reading on Corrie is Reading on the Instagram account, they will have noted that at the after Christmas, I had a pile beside my bed of about twelve books. Um, I have only read one book all of January, oh, 990 shocked. pages of her,
2: but I have really been We're going Well, we're, very, going, to, we're going to hear like, about that in BSF. So I'm what about the goals you
1: achieved in spades, Caro? I must say that um, I set myself the task of, of producing some home-cooked Christmas gifts. So I did the pesto and I did the dill mayonnaise and I did the shortbreads and they've all been very popular. Well,
2: I did my nuts as usual. You didn't get any, and we know why, because you were rude about them. Um, (laughs) Made lots of apricot jam. I'll never get over it. Um, Memory like an elephant. I, too, made a lot of pesto, and I made a lot of salsa verde and lemon cordial. No, home produce was a good one. And, in fact, my cousin Edwina, who you is well-known, wife of the person who told Brendan to chop down the lemon tree, um, she has... Come round with home produce a lot, and, a lot. And oh, We've been the beneficiaries of her zucchinis. S- well, guess we'll get my recipe today is zucchini because I, I've I have more way I've made and cucumbers. I've perfected the cucumber sandwich, and did I've you tried. An, did many. you get any of her rhubarb? Yes. Oh, stunning. Brendan made a rhubarb galette really? Yeah, he actually made a pastry thing. Really? We did a lot of cooking because the weather was so bad. So I'm not finding fault with the cooking. Had a gorgeous time with grandchildren. I read a few more books than you, I have to say, but probably not as many as I normally would. You gave me a book for Christmas that I sort of got stuck on. It took a while to get to the point and I enjoyed it at the end. But you know when you you sort of, the first hundred pages were just Took me oh, a while to get into it. No, but then I then I finished it and really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. Um, I'll I- tell you what else I achieved, and you'll be very proud of me on this, did not hit the shops once in terms no. of buying clothing or... Neither did I. No shops. No, no shops. shopping. Didn't need no shops.
1: Well, you spent so much at Christmas. I mean, it's ghastly. We really cut back. We had a Chris Kringle. We're giving each other an experience. That worked really well. We're all ploughing our way through our experiences. But, um, yeah, I'm just – where does the money go in December? Good Lord. Anyway. The the other –
2: obviously, stories that punctuated December, January. Yes. I mean, I think probably the um, goings-on at the ABC have just – Absolutely fascinated. me. Well, I'm
1: going to talk. Can we talk about that a little bit later when we introduce our new segment? Because I do want to talk oh. about an article that I read. That was uh, I just want to point potties to it. But um, the other thing too, Carol with the local, locally, the local stories were the drownings. You know, yep. like why aren't people heeding the warnings? Yep, I know. So terrible. I know. And um, and the Bureau of Meteorology everywhere. I, I can't say that word properly. Meteorology. Everywhere I went over summer, people were had a, had a comment about the weather. I know it's a nice opener with people you don't know very well, yeah. but people were just like, Jesus, how's the cold weather? Well, the only good thing about it
2: is that when the sun came out, you really made the most of it. We had two lovely days over on the other side um, last week, as you know, um, with our dear friends Rick and Sal, and Sal made us the best beef pies with peas oh, that'll and warm mint. You up. Peas and mint. Well, yeah, exactly.
1: But Cr- it was a- Christmas was candles and cold. Yeah, Peter on.
2: As Dad said, good eating weather.
1: Good eating weather.
2: And I did brine the turkey too. I followed that that um, rule to the letter. But um, but it, well, the sun came out over there, and we had this beautiful beach walk, and you sort of really appreciate it.
1: Mm, yeah. So and internationally, the world was sort of obsessed about two sick members of the royal family and what was what was going. Who was gonna step in? Of course, who always steps in but Princess Anne?
2: Yep, she's amazing. Always.
1: And of course Israel and Gaza just continues to cause all of us, just so much um, anxiety and heartache.
2: Which is, and precipitated the mini crisis at the ABC that um, you're going to exactly mention later. Right. And obviously um, you'll be getting, you'll be
1: firing up for the- oh, uh, Iowa and New Hampshire <laughs> primaries <so laughs> was big on my agenda. I, was, yeah. I, I was love sc- the way <laughs> you know exactly what I'm <laughs> going I know, say. I was just completely glued to CNN, I have to say. And Fox, I can't, like, I just have to make myself watch Fox and Friends and those shows because I always think it's good to hear the other side, but- oh, lordy, Donald Trump, where do you... Like, what a year we're going to have. I promise I'm not going to rabbit it on about it too much. but um, And the carnage
2: continued at the St Kilda Football Club where yes. um, the club's parted ways with its CEO, Simon Lethleen. And um, Ross Lyon, um, I think I might have written in July that there's every chance that um, there will be um, a new CEO of St Kilda this year. And um, Carl Delina was my tip and I still think that that could be the way things go, but that's been a fascinating story.
1: But does it feel like there haven't been as many big footy stories this summer? You know how there's always a big kind of drama.
2: Taryn Thomas is in trouble again, which is a real concern. Um, Again, apparently because of, well, we don't have the details, but a report to the AFL from um, a woman who had a complaint about him. Give it time, Corrie. We're sitting here and we're on the cusp of... February is when it all happens.
1: I know when it comes to bad bad boys' trips and things like that. The minute the
2: tennis is over. Oh, confession. So we're sitting down watching the tennis final on Sunday night and um, after two sets I said, look, honestly, I'm in the middle of another show that I was really enjoying. I said, I'm sick of this. Let's turn over. (laughs) I'll turn back at the end. And at the end of said show, which I'm going to be reviewing in BSF, we just went to bed because we sort of forgot and we woke up the next morning and Brendan goes, guess who won the Australian Open? And I said, i do, Medvedev. He goes, no. I mean... I, at shock. least with the, least with the World Cup cricket, it. I did sort of stay up and take an interest. I also went to bed thinking that um, we'd, you know, we had the West Indies under control all that afternoon. Anyway, and not going to bed. It was
1: a big sporting d- day of us. That upsets. was extraordinary. Well, I didn't watch it either, so I can't say. I'm that. just In fact, I, was, I was amazed how and it ended before hours.
2: midnight. I can't believe they're talking about getting rid of lets
1: because matches enter. What a ridiculous idea! Oh, and there's the usual. It's it's annual, isn't it? The discussion about the public transport or lack of the Australian Open, again, you know, I really, come on, we're just...
2: From my lofty position of not going there, it looked like it was a stunning success. I
1: think it was too. Just the, just the one low light or one particular low light, which is really superficial and very self-obsessed, but not having a cinema in Sorrento, Caro, oh, in a cold summer.
2: So terrible. Such what a, a
1: bad decision that is.
2: Really, really bad. But I do
1: hear that the one at Lawn is going gangbusters and they've been having special screenings and lots of... Lots of big crowds, so well done to to Lawn for that.
2: Spending a bit of spending a bit of time at um, Rosebud too. A few highlights for me. I can still dive off the pier. Oh, Every year, idea. I think one year I'm going to be too scared to go ahead first, and the other highlight. Watch out for
1: Barry; he's floating around under this. Oh, don't! He, he might give you the.
2: The other highlight, and this is highlight by way of. Shout out, even though I don't like that term. I'm um, spending a lot of time with my sister who had a milestone birthday this week. Six zero. She
1: so did. So happy birthday, Moggs. Happy birthday, Moggs. There's um, a lot going on. And we'll celebrate now because Miles is coming in. Miles from Prince Wine Store and he's coming in with some
0: favourite summer drinks. Search princewinestore.com.au bringing melburnians the greatest wine in the world. And here we are with the
1: cocktail cabinet. Our first cocktail cabinet Caro for 2024 and of course sitting atop in all his glory once again is Miles Thompson from Prince Wine Store. Hi Miles.
4: Hello, good to be back.
1: Good Thank to have- the lord
2: we changed <laughs> our tack
1: from Febfast to uh, what we drank over l- summer. Much good, more fun.
4: A good last minute change.
2: <laughs> <laughs> much more fun.
1: Oh Well, is it as healthy? I don't know. But I'd much rather be talking about beautiful cocktails that we had over the summer and yeah. some tips from you. And I really didn't deviate, Caro, from my drink of choice, which was Campari and soda with, yeah. a, with a slice of lime. Oh, excuse me, I had a
2: gin and tonic with you on the beach two days ago. <laughs> what tosh! <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Oh, that too.
2: And I think I made you a French 75 one night, oh, although you accused we'll me of making it those. too strong.
1: Uh, and too I did strong? also have a bit of Aperol, but look, really, <laughs> apart from that, my drink of choice was the um, was the funny. Campari, which is um, often overlooked these days, the Campari.
4: Oh, we sell so much still. And, you know, it's often, you know, big box stores and things like that. So you sometimes think maybe people aren't going to come to, you know, Prince Wine Store for that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's often gets dumped in people's carts with their wine on the way out and it's still super popular. I think they sell quite a bit in Belotta too. But, yeah, we certainly move through a lot of it.
1: Mm, it's well, a classic. A lot came How to can my you beat place. the classics. That's right. So, so Carol, what were you um, imbibing on apart from gin and tonic on the beach the other night? Mm. Yeah.
2: Well, no, gin and tonic was probably thereabouts. Um, Anna from the op shops husband, Chris Barry, makes a mean mai tai, oh, and I, got a I wouldn't mai tai choose ages. a mai tai, but then you have one and mm. gee, he, Aloha. He went. He had said claims he had one at a bar in Honolulu that had four types of rum yeah. <laughs> in it. Four. And his had Amazing. two. Um, my brother has will has been in town, as you know, and he makes a mean margarita. Lots of margaritas, mm. but yeah, lots of, good of things. Lots of beautiful riesling, lots of beautiful chardonnay. Yeah, um, the odd Chablis. Brendan was given some beautiful red wine, which he managed to work his part part way through. Oh, good. And um, what about you?
4: Yeah, I just um, I drank a bit of quite a bit of pinot gris, the same pinot gris. Which is the Camille River. Mm. Yeah, which is I'm a huge fan of. Um so
1: Where or what is the Camille River?
4: Camille River. So Camille they are based sort of they're about forty minutes north of Auckland. They're very famous for their Chardonnay and they did this little villages range that they that their their kind of entry level range. It's about I think this is twenty four dollars. And this is that they do a villages Chardonnay, which is really excellent, but their gris I really like at the moment. And it's just twenty twenty three and it's just, you know, just it's all that purity of fruit, you know that kind of gnashy pear, and just that really sort of fresh crunch and a lovely kind of like fleshy fruit on it. It's just super easy to drink, bit too, too e- bit too easy to drink actually. I have so to admit, too
1: um, too too sweet for fish or a main course.
4: Uh, no, I think it's kind of nice that theirs is a bit richer. Like there's, they've got a bit of kind of fat fatness to the fruit, which is nice. So mm. have, easily go with fish for sure. Mm. And it's not, well, you know, the like traditional grease you see out of Alsace often or can have some oak treatment, but this is, I don't think it sees anything. And if it does, it's very old. So, it's so not, that's, that's it's not one... oaky, but it has some of those, that weight that that kind of thing brings.
2: We can pick that up at Prince Wine Store. Or tour. you
4: can. It's floor stacked in the
1: front.
2: Corrie actually forgot to mention, I actually gave her a bottle of gin for Christmas. Oh, uh, which gin? A special one.
1: Oh, an enlightened gift, Miles. Oh, uh, It wow. has... It has my very own label on it. Oh, the Sorrento Writers Festival Gin. Oh,
2: very cool. Mm. Made by Archie Rose. Oh, I like Archie Rose a yeah. lot. Yeah, it
1: was very lovely. It was a lovely Christmas gift, mm. Kaz. Thanks for that. It's all, all right, Corey. It. I think really I've got an, I got
4: th- think I got an Sen Gin.
1: <laughs>
4: Have you? Yeah. <laughs> Did you? I'm pretty sure.
2: Oh, and what, 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 what <laughs> do you SCN want? Sen to, beer too. Is there anything in the way of rose or spirit? There is definitely a rose oh, in there. there is? and there
4: is a spirit in there too. Rosé Solace Rosé. It's just something we started bringing in ourselves, and it is just like straight up classic Provence rosé. That that lovely like strawberries and cream, that kind of what I call like almost this like candy floss sort of minerality.
1: Lovely. I just just zoned out. (laughs) No, I'm not not a fan. Just
4: like classic. Yeah, it's it's maybe not everyone's cup of tea, but if you just if you like that straight up really sort of classic sort of Provence rosé, this is like on the mark, lovely sort of fruit-forward style. Which I think is great with yeah, fish. Yeah, and t- I think $20, 22 Oh. Such a good deal. You better tell us the name dollars. again. Yeah, this is why I've been drinking so many Rose of them. The Solace Rosé
1: from Provence, <laughs> 22 <laughs> <laughs> And, okay. Miles, how much was the Camille River Pinigree? Uh, I think
4: 24 24 which that. is good. Yeah, both uh, both really great value wines, I thought, you know.
2: I must say, Brendan and I walked up from, got up from the beach yesterday, Corey, and you'll be amazed to hear that, we had a cup of tea. Oh, I just thought, I cannot have another. <laughs> Not that I've been, you know, getting blind every night, but you're just so used to having a drink at the end of the day. And I said, Oh, I think I'm going to have a cup of tea tonight, <laughs> which is unlike me anyway. Yeah. No, it
4: gets, it gets like that for If sure. I
2: were to have a spirit, Miles, what can you recommend? Well, look, talking
4: about classics, I'm a massive Pims fan. If I ever go out of the country and come back in, I always get. The biggest Pims bottle I can find duty free, duty free, yeah. Um, but I thought I'd talk about an alt Pims version, which is Never Never, and it's oh. their—I um, think they call it their um, uh, Love Cup or something like that. Basically, it's like a Pims cup, but it's Love yeah. Cup. <laughs> love Cup. I don't think it's Love Cup. I don't think it's Love Cup. Um, That's it's, great. It's the, love it's the, the, it's the Never Never. Um, hold on, give me two secs.
1: As I you're looking, as you're it. looking for, yeah, what do you mix it with, or how, how do you um, have
4: it? So it's it's their triple triple juniper gin is the base on it, and then they use the marionette, which we've talked about the marionette liqueurs before, yep. mm-hmm. so which are Aussie local liqueurs. So marionette curicao is the, is the other base, and then they add a bunch of their own like fruit spice and and you know like you know peels and things like that. So I mean, if you like pims, which I love, and it's beautiful, and just I have mine with ginger ale. But you know, obviously, pims and lemonade is sort of one of the classics. But I like it with a bit of ginger ale. Perfect
1: drink after a, a day of hot golf. And it's
4: yeah, that's right. And, and it's then you can make never it strong. Whereas yeah, it's the it's the never never. I think it's called the love cup. Sorry, I, I should have love cup. I'm not yeah.
1: going to ask for that at the don't, golf don't, club. Don't don't. Yeah,
4: but it's never never. <laughs> it's the it's a collaboration. <laughs> point me outside. To yeah, the they'll be like, we don't oh, know what yeah. you're talking about. But that it, sounds great. And do you add a Pim, bit of Pim's.
2: cucumber and mint and stuff?
4: Oh, I usually just put a squeeze of lime in it that's about it. Don't go sounds, too fancy.
2: Sounds fabulous.
4: Yeah. Um,
1: that sounds great. And so what is the never-never? What so price are we that looking is, at? So that
4: is 66 for that. So a little more expensive but, you know, and as depending on how strong you make it, it's going to last you a while.
1: And as we've been speaking, I've gone onto the princewinestore.com.au website, as one does when one is trying very hard to do oh, their got research. The Campari there. Fifty-two bucks for a bottle of Campari. There you
4: but go. do go. get
1: can we have a messin message? Yeah, you'll get ten percent
4: off for that. Oh, so M-E-S-S double S is the code that you use when you uh have got it in your cart and you'll get the ten percent off that. So
1: That is wonderful. So we have the Camille River Pinot Gris Caro, twenty-four dollars from the New Zealand North Island. And the solace Rose from Provence 22 dollars how do you do it I know and the uh pims lookalike the never never 66 dollars
4: yeah. F- fancy fruit cup fancy,
1: fancy
2: fruit oh cup. that's a bit more
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed I, I know love the, the love cup,
4: cup. <laughs> I should have uh I'll send them a message the love cup we're changing it
1: uh okay so that's that's um that's it for this week and um are we gonna dare Traverse into the Boring terrain of Feb Fast next week and alternatives, or no. are we going to keep drinking.
2: <laughs> I think I think we will be leading up to Valentine's Day next week, mm. and I want um, maybe you can come up with a love cup for us. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but don't you think? I mean, Valentine's Brendan, Day. Brendan will be looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I think Valentine's Day is sort of will not round the corner, but
4: Kara we'll had a, her. Um Feb fast, cup of tea in Jan. So. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> so That's, that's it. it for the year. One day. That was <laughs> enough. No, I, I did July and October. Come on. Oh, yeah, you did yeah, too. You did yeah. very good. She's, been, good. she's been
1: drying out all year. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Making up for it ever since. Absolutely. Uh, well Lars, done. I forgot it, about that. It's
1: great to have you back again this year. And it's wonderful, of course, for our little podcast to have Prince Wine Store as our sponsors. Again, this must be the fourth or fifth year. I can't remember. but. Yeah. It's we, probably the fourth, yeah. We keep chatting about wine and mm. we keep learning Never not ends. very much, Carol and I, and we love seeing you. So, um, and I'll probably see you in a couple of hours when I come down to pick up my Perfect. next spot again.
2: Okay. And Miles will also be at our three hundredth at Bell's Hotel on February twenty nine. Yeah. We're gonna force you there, Miles. You're gonna come Sounds up good. and Just plug a couple of your wares.
1: You better you better pack your black mm. pen because you'll be signing quite a few autographs. There are sure. a few, there are a few potty super brothers that re- keen on you. Pre- Miles, pre-print I'll... some and <laughs> oh, is oh, that a bit okay. too preemptive? Settle so <laughs> down. <laughs> what, are you Michelle Obama? Uh, um, thanks, Miles, and um, we'll see you next week.
0: Thank you. We'll see you then. Move with Red Energy and they'll cover your standard connection fees. Eligibility criteria and conditions apply. BSF, Book Screen Food.
1: And now we have an extended BSF, Book Screen and Food, which our podcast gang tell us is their favourite segment. So uh, if you like the reviews that Caro and I give or the recipes that we cook, this is the section for you. And Caro, we have the best book of summer to start. You are going to kick us off with one by John Boyne. Before I do, we should thank
2: Red Energy, our sponsors. Oh, yes,
1: of course we should thank Red Energy, our sponsors. Yet again, are you on the move in 2024? Set up your energy at your new home with Red Energy, just jump online and you can visit them, redenergy.com.au. And Caro and I are subscribers. That's where that's how we get turned on, isn't it, Caro?
2: We do, Corrie, we do. My book is probably one of my books of the year, Corrie, certainly my book of this year so far, The Heart's Invisible Furies, by an Irish author named John Boyne. He wrote The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas and its sequel, All the Broken Places. I've never read a book by John Boyne. I loved this book. My daughter has been trying to get me to read it for a year and was so sick of me not reading it that that was her Christmas present to me and I loved it. Uh, we, we set out in Ireland, early 1950s, I want to say, or late 1940s, late 1940s, and this, the, the hero of the story is a young man who becomes an old man by the name of Cyril Avery, we meet Cyril in his mother's womb in a small Irish town where his mother is um, in the middle. The, the priest gets up to deliver his Sunday sermon, but he doesn't deliver his sermon. He kicks physically Cyril's pregnant mother out of the church and out of the town. Her parents agree with this and she is shipped off at the age of 16 to nowhere. She finishes up in Dublin. She meets a friend. On the way, what happens to the friend is um, unbelievably tragic. What so much of this book is tragic, but it is also manages manages to be funny. We, we start off in Dublin, we go to Amsterdam in more your sort of sixties and seventies, where um, they are far more tolerant of gay men, and Cyril is gay. Then we move to New York in the 80s, and we all know what started happening to gay people in the 80s, and then we moved back to Dublin. Um, Cyril's mother gives birth to Cyril in unbelievable circumstances and gives him up for adoption. He's ado- he is adopted by um, a bizarre, wealthy, very, le- very, very um, well-to-do couple. The, the mother is a famous author but quite a quite unusual woman. The father is a neer do well, but um, has also been very successful. He is a, a bit of a um, he's a Lothario, and Cyril is repeatedly reminded that, he, that they feed him, they put him in a beautiful house, they never really care for him, and they remind him constantly that he is not a real Avery. Occasionally. The mother comes back into the story and the way these two, mother and son, circ- circumnavigate each other for decades and you just wait and wait and wait for them to meet is amazing. What happens to Cyril is extraordinary. There are real-life characters in the book in, including, um, the, uh, is it Brendan Behan who wrote The Ballstool Boy? Yep. Um Eamon de Valera because um, Cyril's real mother, birth mother works in the cafe at Parliament it is, Corrie, it is. It's a bit of a William Boyd esque sort of tale, and it, it just moves on with such. Some of the characters aren't as well rounded as others, but Cyril's adopted adopted mother is brilliant. The boy who fought, he falls in love with as a 10 or 11 year old is. And, and who continues through his life, and his sister, a remarkable part of the story. Please read this book, The Heart's Invisible Furies.
1: Well, Carol, I will, because. About this time last year, John Boyne was in Australia, and I had the—I was fortunate enough to interview him at one of our library events. And he is a beautiful human being. He's promised to come to the Sorrento Writers Festival one year. And I, I did, saw he went to Adelaide with Louise Kennedy, who yes, wrote *The Trespasses*. I know, and it was just a little bit earlier than us. But um, he is a wonderful person. He has a huge emotional intelligence, and I can't wait to read that book. And when you were telling me about it, in fact. I saw an inexpensive copy, not a remainder, but almost, um, on a, on a tray in a bookshop. So I bought it so, um... Really, really looking forward to reading that. So, as I said earlier, my book of the summer was My Name Is Barbara by Barbara Streisand. Thank you, Coco, for this tome of a beautiful Christmas gift. I was so excited when I opened it on Christmas morning. I had left a few hints behind, but I love um, I love a showbiz memoir, a, a good one. There's lots of trashy ones, but when I think of good ones, I think of um, Blessings in Disguise with Sir Alec Guinness, which was just hysterical and the memoirs of Joan Plowright um it's it's called um, and that's not all and Joan who was the uh Third wife, I think, and happiest wife of Sir Lawrence Olivier. A lot of she was also a wonderful actress herself. That's a great book. Um, and Barry Humphreys, of course, locally, My Life and Me. And more recently, Magda Zabansky's Reckoning. Um, She's a great writer. And she has a, the sequel to Reckoning coming out the next part of she her coming life. to the Writers' Festival? She is coming to the Writers' Festival. That's right. Thank you. Now, did Barbara <laughs> write this book? Barbara herself? wrote this book. And I think, um, although. Um, the, her publishers say that she writes longhand everything that she does, and that she she's done this longhand. There are moments where you feel like she's got on a dictaphone, and it's just gone on and on and on. But in a really enjoyable way. To be to be absolutely honest, I felt that these nine hundred pages was like my intimate my, my intimate month with Babs. Like she was my friend. And that whenever I had a moment to sit on a banana lounge, she'd be going, now let me tell you about Yentl. Oh, the problems I had. <laughs> so it's very kind of, it's in that vein. Um, My Name is Barbara is based on the 1960s TV show of the same name, which was really the show that um, that rocketed her to stardom. It, it came out around the same time as she, she started with Funny Girl on Broadway. And um, boy, oh boy, did that did that show resonate with um, millions of people around the world. Caro, the the memoir is, it's very raw. She's very self-critical and very truthful. And in fact, she says, I've seen how strongly people are moved by the truth when they recognise it at a performance. There's no place for lies in art. And so she's always been a very honest and instinctive performer, and um, and I think as a writer she is as well, and also she's she has that confidence of an eighty year old woman. Um, She's actually she'll tell it like it is, but she'll also she'll also say, yeah, I looked really good in that dress, or you know that was a very good performance of mine, or um, yes, I was a very good friend to that friend during their tough time. You know, she's not yeah. she, she's not hiding a light under a bushel, nor should she, because she's absolutely amazing, a teenage prodigy who wanted to be a serious actor, and unexpectedly at the age of fourteen, found her voice when she literally and figuratively, but when she was singing in her apartment block. Um, Stairwell one day, and this voice came out, and literally people opened the doors and just went, Who was that? And the rest, as they say, is history. Um, A couple of reasons also why I gravitated to this book Um, Streisand, um, her father died from a seizure when she was, I think, about 15 months old. And her mother, Diana, was um, quite, I mean, Barbara describes her sometimes as being cruel, but she was very detached from her daughter. She was probably jealous of her because she wanted to be an actress and a singer. Um, and she had a very odd relationship with her mother. For all her life, she felt like she wasn't good enough for her mother, and her mother seldom praised her for a fine performance. So there's that sort of, um, you know, I found that found that set up really interesting because there she is at the age of 81 writing her memoir, and these still these things still haunt her. But there's lots of gossip. I mean, you'll just love it. There's lots of, you know, doing Fanny Bryce, Funny Girl on Broadway, and then of course in the um, in the film by the same name. Um, all of her um, those comedies like What's Up Doc that she did with Ryan O'Neill, but also the serious stuff, the way we were with Robert Redford. And then of course her directing career, The Prince of Tides, which you and I loved. Loved. And um in fact up from memory Lowenstein. Lowenstein. <laughs> Lowenstein. Nick Nolte, I mean gosh, what a crush we had. But um she talks really openly about what it was like to be a female director and how she was completely dissed by the Hollywood. Industry of men, when she made Yentl, and then Prince of Tides, of course, turned out to be a huge box office hit. So, look, I, I really enjoyed and the Star then the is f- Born. That was a yeah, bit- oh, there's a lot of Star is Born, a lot of John Peters, a lot of Lovers, <laughs> The Hairdresser. <laughs> a lot of lovers. He, he sort of tried. He was a bit ambitious, wasn't way he? Way too ambitious. And she's actually quite honest about his his um, his uh, his bad decisions and his way with people. He was quite rude and abrupt, and you know. An American would never say this, but an English person would say incredibly common, and it used to kind of rile her because she is actually a natural class act, and I think just his lack of manners and things used to really do her head in. But lovers, my God, I mean, where do we begin with that? There were there are just so many. Um, a little bit of Andre Agassi, but not in a in, not in a. Um, kiss-and-tell kind of way. It's very, very respectful of, of Andre and his incredible tennis talent. But Elliot Gould, of course, who was her husband, father of her only child. Um, Omar Sharif, who was her co-star in A Star Is Born. John Peters. Don Johnson. I didn't know she had a relationship with Miami Vice, Don Johnson. Yeah. Um, was Omar Sharif in A Star Is Born? Yeah. That was he, Chris Christopherson. I'm sorry. Did I say um, – my apologies. I meant funny girl. Uh, my apologies. Yes. Um, Pierre Trudeau, the former – Canadian. Oh, that's right. She had a long, swimming naked in the lake with him, which was an interesting scene. And even with Prince Charles, not that um, she had an affair with him, but she talks about visiting Highgrove and discussing plants and walking around the garden for hours with him, I think. And they're still friends. I think they have simpatico there. So there's lots of titillation stuff, but it really is just, it was just sumptuous, wonderful, really good at the end of the year when you're exhausted and you just feel like immersing yourself in a bit of Hollywood. So that is the Barbara Streisand book, My My name is Barbara. Now, let's get on to best screen. I watched another two episodes of this last night. I am totally hooked. You know I did not read the book. You know the reasons why I didn't read the book. Boy Swallows Universe, tell us what you think. Yeah,
2: look, it's brilliant.
1: Netflix, everybody, Netflix.
2: It's brilliant because, well, it's brilliant for many reasons. Um, It is so real to the book. Uh, the main character in in the story, who is sort, it's by Timothy Dalton. The original novel, it was his first novel. Um, it was a massive hit, as we know. Um, the young Eli is played by Felix Cameron. He, I've read some ho hum reviews of his performance. He is brilliant. He as, is
1: brilliant.
2: He is brilliant. And you watch his character progress through the tragedy and trauma of his childhood and how it affects him. And um, Gee, is good, as is Lee Haley, as his older brother, Gus. Um, look, th- this story starts off in, in the TV version. I think it's six or seven episodes, three different directors, including Jocelyn Morehouse. It's basically um, set in the outer suburbs of Brisbane. It's um, It involves a, uh, I guess, really a family who becomes embroiled in crime. And we know that Trent Dalton, the author, the Australian journalist, his mother was in fact a drug addict. We know that his father was a hopeless alcoholic. There was a traumatic event in the young boy's life um, in the novel. and Did that, that happened in real life? No. Don't think so. It comes back to haunt them. Um, it, it's very mystical, as is the book. Um, there is a mysterious red phone in um, the cellar of the house, the suburb in the house that um where the two boys are living, with their mother, who is clean for a while, and her bad egg partner, who they come to love but who is just a bit hopeless, um, they, they end up going to live with their father after a horrific series of events. He is played by Simon Baker. he is brilliant mm. as the father, absolutely brilliant, as this broken man who we find out what really happened in this terrible car accident and why it happened. Um, so many great sort of side performances. Um, I, I think um, I the think, actress think... Phoebe Tonkin, who who plays the mother, oh, is absolutely plays brilliant. plays Frances,
1: the mum. Yeah. Isn't and she fabulous? There
2: was a scene with the father and a policewoman and the school counsellor, played by Deborah Mailman, in about episode four or five. It is some of the And the two boys are under the house
1: listening. It is one of the... Most beautiful scenes I have ever seen. I think Deborah Mailman. We, we watched that last night, Francesca and I. We oh. were, you know, incredibly emotional watching it. But Deborah Mailman is just getting better and better as She's she a great ages, actor. isn't she? So the look, the the story,
2: it, the last episode has been criticised too in some reviews, saying um, it just goes completely crazy. Well, the book goes crazy towards the end as well, and it is a thriller. And a a bit like Lola in the Mirror, which I read over summer, becomes a bit of a thriller, and that is another great novel. Um, It it, it jumps a shark, but that's sort of what happens in the novel. So it does go crazy. And in the end, it's also a great film about newspapers, because Eli wants to work for the Brisbane Courier-Mail. That is his lifelong ambition and his relationship with the Courier Mail and a journalist there who he reveres and adores, sort of expands over the story. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. And I haven't even mentioned Brian Brown, who plays a real-life character, a famous criminal, who was the boy's babysitter and becomes their mentor. And he's a sort of heart-of-gold crim. But he's brilliant in it too. So, look, really, if you haven't seen it yet, watch Boy Swallows Universe. There, You can fiddle with the figures, but there is no doubt this has been... People are saying the most, certainly in terms of Australian drama, by far the most successful Australian drama ever on Netflix and one of Netflix's most successful ever series. So bring it on.
1: It's beautiful. I love it. And I actually love the fact that Brian Brown, he, it's appeared back um acting performance that he's done, yep. don't you think? Yep. You know how he can sometimes ham up the Aussie thing a little bit? Yes, I agree. I think he's very so, understated. So, yeah, and so real. Look, it's just – I think that's the thing, even though this is a really um, – it's out of our comfort zone, for sure, uh, this story, this kind of storyline, but everything just resonates. It's so real. The mother and is real. And they managed so –
2: despite the tragedy, they managed to inject moments of humour and mm. um, – Oh, look, anyway, it's great. Brendan, yeah. like you, never read the book. I've begged him to, and he
1: has also adored the series. Mm, it's great. Now, what have you been watching? Well, I watched Maestro. So Maestro is the uh, Academy Award-nominated um, film about the life of Leonard Bernstein, the famous American conductor. And it has received a bit of a, a shellacking, I have to say, Um I don't think... I thought it was great. Yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I suspect, Carol because I've read a couple of the American and, in particular, East Coast publications. The New Yorker, for example... um, is quite critical, the co-writer, director and star of Leonard Bernstein biopic amidst crucial events, context and characterization, resulting in an emotionally hollow film. But as I read this, I think Lenny was one of theirs. You know, Lenny was the big apple. Lenny was the East Coast. He was he was so entrenched in that whole particularly that whole New York cultural scene, that who on earth is ever going to please any of them because with what you do, it is a harsh review, but Anyway, I suspect there's a bit of sentiment, hands off our Lenny there. Well, his children liked it. His and children like liked Cooper's it. That's performance. right. And 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 we've talked about um, the nose, the extent, the accentuated nose, and how they they thought that was appropriate. Anyway, Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein remains one of America's most significant and talented cultural icons. He was a great conductor. He was an incredibly talented pianist. He was a gifted teacher and educator, and he also was a creator of popular musicals and film scores, including. West Side Story, Candide, and he wrote the movie score on the waterfront. His music style was eclectic to me, ever changing. It was all or nothing. Sometimes, if you listen to Leonard Bernstein, you feel like is there just are there any more instruments left in this universe that he could possibly <laughs> throw in there. But um, it's all or nothing with him, and it turns out as we watch this biopic, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like he lived his life as well. It was all in with the family, the children, the sexual liaisons with men and women, um, the clothes, his incredible sense of style. Um, and this is the story of his relationship with his wife. I won't say long-suffering because she married him, knowing, of course, that he was bisexual. So she totally put up with it. But I think um, I've just lost her name now, but she's played by Carrie Mulligan. Felicia, is it Felicia? Can't remember, but I'll g- yes. I'll keep looking as I'm talking to you. But um, And she's been Oscar nominated. She has she? indeed yep. as well. Yes, Felicia is her name. So um, this, the story, the film begins, it's, it's a long film, but I was not bored for one second, and it starts in 1943, In the middle of the war, and um, Leonard Bernstein, who is then 25 and the assistant conductor of the New York Philharmonic, guess what? Has to stand in and do the recording. It's a very important wartime concert that's being broadcast nationally on radio as a way to cheer up our nation. And um, he is utterly, utterly brilliant. Felicia, his wife, is a dramatic actress, um, has a terrific career in her own right. But as we, as we, as this relationship evolves, they marry, they have their three children and Lenny's life is continuing in a whirlwind of activity and, and sexual liaisons and flirting with men at parties and all sort of thing, at some point she says enough because she actually wants to be loved. And she is loved but she wants to have him... Entirely to herself. Oh, I he think. becomes very sloppy with his personal life. He does, and she gets angry. So they part, but then they come together at the end of the film, and I'm not giving anything away there. Uh, it has mystical moments too, doesn't it? It does, ha- and it, the way it moves from black and white to colour. Did you note the moment when it did? Because I did not.
2: I I'm trying to remember. Was it when they moved from? Um,
1: Onto the stage
2: or into the um, from the, they're they're in a small studio and then they go into a. I big... think that's
1: right. I think yeah. They they when they first meet and it's a bit Woody Allen esque, isn't it? They're yep. talking at the same time and it's a it's a it's this this is very much a dialogue driven film. You, you like the dialogue is great and the way. Bradley Cooper, as a director, allows his actors to talk over one another a bit like Woody Allen does in that fast New York kind of way. I love that. I love that party scene when they first meet and they're outside having a cigarette together. And then at some point I thought, God, this film's gone from black and white to colour and I didn't even know. I I think it was when
2: they leapt from the small scene to the big stage. But, I, I, yeah, look, I thought it was great. It was really great. And everybody says you should see it at the cinema. And we were at the cinema seeing Napoleon and friends were seeing that and they said it's fantastic. Mm. So I'm sorry I I only saw it on the small screen. But it also is on Netflix, Corrie.
1: It is on Netflix, Caro. So that's uh, what we've been watching. Now, what have we been cooking over summer? Well, I've been cooking a lot, and I've been
2: cooking a lot of tried and true old recipes. And um, you had my fennel roast pork, which I think you quite enjoyed. I didn't think I'd be doing Scoffed as many roasts it. Scoffed as, I, it, Carol. as I did. Um, I made a lot of things, but because of all this beautiful zucchini, I did so many zucchini recipes. And um, I looked up um, that you know there's lots of different zucchini pasta recipes around. Now this is called spaghetti alla Nerano. And it's the one that Stanley Tucci loves, you know, and we love Stanley. Corey, this Friend is my pod. This, the um, And we should um, thank Cobram Estate for these recipes and for sponsoring our food segment. And there is plenty of olive oil, I've got to tell you, in this recipe. There's also um, sunflower, sunflower oil as well. So you basically get, it says six medium green zucchini, but if you've got people, the homegrown ones, it doesn't matter how big they are, just work out the equivalent of six normal zucchinis, you fry them all in oil. So that's the only bit of time that it takes to, you know, you slice it all up thinly, fry it, fry it, fry it. and t- You probably do it in about three or four goes, put it all on kitchen paper, and then you cook up your pasta. So the zucchinis, the zucchinis are lovely, lightly fried. You've got your spaghetti in the, um, in the pot boiling away. Then while the zucchini's cooling on paper towels... You actually. People say you should you can refrigerate it and leave it in the fridge for eight hours or overnight. Forget that. Mm. I just waited till it cooled down a bit. The pasta's cooking away. You heat olive oil about two tablespoons in a frying pan. Add zucchini and salt, and just keep stirring. And it all breaks down, and the juices start to sort of expel and release. Um, It's breaking down more and more. You add a couple of splashes of pasta water. Don't overdo it. And then um once the pasta is done, you you drain it, put a bit more pasta water in the zucchini mixture, along with a spoonful of butter. I think this is a very healthy recipe. You're stirring around the um, sorry, the the zucchini and the butter, and then you basically chuck it in with the pasta, stir all that around, and then you add two sorts of cheese curry, pecorino and reggiano. Yeah. And you stir it all around. And you will whack the whole lot into a bowl. I added some fried breadcrumbs just because, and it was delicious.
1: Oh, that is a great recipe. Well, uh, uh, well, I'll, seeing as I still have a couple of weaned zucchinis, I'll I'll get get it's going with that. It's such a simple <laughs>
2: recipe, but Corrie, you made a cake one night in my house, and I have requested that you give us a recipe on this podcast because it was so beautiful.
1: Thank you. That's very nice. But let's just pay. pay <laughs> let's just pay um, our our. Um respects to the actual chef of this the recipe, Danielle Alvarez, who we love. Her cookbook's um, Sydney chef, and she's written this cookbook, Livy Travers, which was one of my Christmas gifts from my husband. The book is called A Lifetime of Beautiful Cooking by Danielle Alvarez and Libby Travers. It's a great cookbook, FYI. You'll be receiving a lot of recipes this year from this book. This is called cherry and walnut cake, but I didn't have any cherries at the time. Although I subsequently did, my godfather gave me a whole pile the other oh. day, and I made this cake again. But I also made it with raspberries, uh, and I raspberries and did I put raspberry? Did I put? Did I do one with you with rhubarb as well? Or just no, the raspberries? it was raspberries. Okay, because so you can tell it's on oh, repeated. i made house. it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a really great recipe. It's um, uh, look, Joel will Joel will be obsessed because he loves cooking. But he will put this on the show notes. <laughs> Does he? But it's um, <laughs> it's essentially uh, it's um, plain flour, baking powder, sea salt, white sugar, and you hold a bit of that back because you sprinkle it on the top. Two eggs, um, vanilla extract, um, neutral oil. So I actually didn't have. I I imagined that to be some sort of vegetable oil like a macadamia or something. All I had was Mr Cobram's light, and can I tell you, it was absolutely perfect. Oh, okay. Um, and I um, oh, gee, I'm obsessed by Mr Cobram's light because it's um, you don't. Sometimes you don't want the full bodied oil caro with certain things that you cook, and it also has chopped walnuts and, as I said, a whole lot of raspberries in inside it. So it's um, it's a it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty easy stock standard way of preparing the cake. Um, you have a prepare your spring form. Um, tin by greasing the sides. I always put the um, baking paper there and um, in a mixing bowl put together the flour, baking powder and salt and whisk it and then set it aside, add the sugar, eggs um, and whisk all of that up until it's pale yellow, light and fluffy and then um, as the machine is running add the vanilla, then drizzle in the oil. The drizzling is quite important, um, and then you add the flour. Turn the machine off. Add the flour mixture into that, and um, before you remove it from the from, from the bowl into the um, into your baking thing, um, you've already added the walnuts and the. And the raspberries, but be very careful with raspberries because they break. And I think there's nothing nicer with a raspberry cake than actually seeing a whole raspberry inside your cake. So just be very careful with your mixing there because it can break up and suddenly you have a pink mixture before you know it. And as I Mm. said before, you put it into the oven, you just sprinkle the extra sugar on the top. You give it a little bit of extra crunch and you cook the it. The
2: crunch was what set it apart, I, I thought. I think so.
1: And then you bake it for 50 to 60 minutes or until the skewer goes in the middle of its guts and it comes out and it's not too wet. And we served it at your place. Uh, did I bring the yoghurt or did you have ice cream? I can't remember. No. I, I've been I, serving it with the um, with the yoghurt.
2: I had ice, I served it with um, vanilla ice cream. Mm. It delicious. was delicious.
1: It's great. Now, Carol, we're going to launch a new segment now. We had a bit of a chat over summer and we decided we're sick of being grumpy at our age, aren't we?
2: We are. We're sick of being grumpy anyway. And we thank Red Energy for this new segment, Moving is Hard, as Corrie said, but switching your electricity and gas is easy with Red Energy.
1: Corrie, did you hear this? Did you hear this? Did you hear this? (laughs) Did you hear this? Did you hear this? You're going to kick us off. I am going to kick you off. So we were talking earlier. So this segment, everybody, is about something that Cara or myself has seen in a newspaper or read on Um, our phones or heard on the wireless or something that's just caught our attention and we just want to bring it to everybody's attention.
2: We were going to call it What's Caught My Eye, but Joel reminded us that that's a segment on the Sunday Footy Show, which, uh, you know, really, does it
1: matter? I don't think it matters. Do We have a crossover audience. Anyway, I like this because you you and I often say this podcast is totally based on what you and I talk about when we go on a walk. That's the original premise. And we often say to each other, hey, did you see that or did you hear this? And we often do it, so this is the way we speak. But this is this was an article in the Saturday paper last Saturday, which if anybody is slightly confused about what's been going down at the ABC, and you mentioned it earlier, Carol, and I'd be interested in your thoughts because we now have a new uh, chair, actually, in Kim Williams. But um, this is what happened with the ABC Radio Sydney's morning program, Antoinette Latouf, and she was sacked by the ABC for breaching according to them, breaching an instruction that no staff member should post anything controversial on social media regarding um, events in the Middle East.
2: It should be said she was
1: filling in for a week she on was a radio filling show. filling in for a week. And she made what she lasted three days. That's correct. Latouf shared a statement from Human Rights Watch... And this statement accused the Israel Defence Forces of using the starvation of civilians as an instrument of war. Now, this was an allegation the ABC had, in fact, reported, stressing here, allegation. But the ABC management, as management sometimes do, had a knee-jerk reaction. And so, as you said, one day Latouf, who was filling in, was there, and the next day she wasn't. She did have a fair bit to say a month or so earlier
2: on various social media posts, and it seems strange... Given that she was fairly outspoken about some of the stuff that was going somebody on, somebody could at have Gaza, had a chat with her. A that, bit well, it was an interesting appointment. I mean, what she did earlier was much stronger than the stuff he did on that day that saw her removed or that precipitated the move.
1: So Latouf has filed an application with the Fair Work Commission, and she said the ABC had unlawfully dismissed her on the grounds of political expression. She later changed this to include racial discrimination. And so the whole thing seems to have just been um, blown up and um, and the ABC, of course, is saying it, ha- it can't be an unlawful sacking. So it's going a bit of back and forth. And we're just going to sort of leave that story there because as we speak, things are moving. But it is interesting that um, retiring chair um, Ita Butros. Um, and the managing director, David Anderson, stood firm on this. And now, of course, we have Kim Williams in the chair. I wonder where the whole thing's going to go. But I just thought, Carol, because it has been quite confusing and because over summer there has been a fair bit of ABC bashing, particularly not surprising from the Murdoch media, um, I think that it's really worth reading this Saturday paper article because it is, I would suggest, relatively um, unbiased um, and and it just gives you a good rundown of what happened when, and um, it's written by Martin McKenzie Murray. If you're looking for it, so that would be my suggestion. But isn't the ABC in a bit of a mess? Well, this comes off the back of Stan Grant's departure
2: after the coverage of the of the uh, coronation and what happened on that um, panel and the criticism Stan Grant received and the fact that he says he received no backing from the ABC management. Sort of. Un- thinly veiled allegations of racial profiling and racism at the ABC. They've been strongly criticised in recent days by senior journo John Lyons, who I think is also going to be ho- hopefully paying a visit to your Writers' Festival, Corrie. Yes, indeed. Who I caught up with recently and who's done, I think, a pretty good job in his coverage at Gaza, of Gaza. But, um, no, it's a mess. It is a mess. And she seems to have um, – Antoinette seems to have um, – one of Gina Reinhart's legal team in her mm. corner too. So this is going to get really ugly.
1: It is going to get really ugly. And I mean, is she Lebanese by descent? I think she is. I don't know her background, but I, I know that, there, that it is. Um, something like that. Um, and I don't mean to be dismissive. I just I can't recall her family background. But um, just to let people know if they are thinking, or if they do love ABC Matters, if they do want to hear more, and this is a moving story. Uh, at the Writers' Festival on the Sunday, April the 28th, we're having a panel called Your ABC, An Endangered Species? Question mark. And on that panel, John Fane, Ronald MacDonald, and I'm hoping Laura Tingle, who is actually um, a staff board member of the ABC, will be on that panel. So that's pretty exciting. I thought so, for Kim Williams, I mean, he's just become chairman and they've just
2: reappointed this um, David Anderson before he came on board. So that makes his job a bit tricky, I would have thought.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Anyway, Cory, that is um, a very interesting, uh, did you hear this? And I'm now going to launch um, again six quick questions for 2024. You can kick us off. What's the weirdest catering request you've heard
1: this summer? My friend Pat's, who does a bit of catering, uh, and she's very good at it, I might add. She was preparing a... I think it was a lunch actually for 16 women folk and sent out, the the host of this sent out a note, any food allergies. I think about 12 of the guests came back with food allergies, which is fine. I'm not laughing at that. Do you ever have a food allergy? I'm I'm not bagging food allergies, but I just, it's just not something that. No, no, we've had two launches, as you know, of the Writers' Festival and we've, Gone for gluten-free and vegetarian options. We're very respectful. We all should be. But this was a really this was this was a curveball. Twelve of them all had issues, including one person who said they were allergic to quote unquote fish with fins. (laughs) What does that mean? What? (laughs) But
2: but all fish? Well, I suppose shellfish don't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that reminds me. What? That reminds me. Um, th- I, this Terribly totally rid- sorry. Can't eat fish with fins. This is a ridiculous segue, but <laughs> when I was covering the 1986 Commonwealth Games, there was a swimming writer, and he, he was a great journo and he died recently. His name uh, was Wayne Smith. He wrote for the Courier-Mail and went on to write for the Oz and, you know, very revered and not only swimming. But back then he was a swimming rider, and um, Bruce Wilson, our bureau chief, named him, nicknamed him Flipper, and he was a bit of a gun. He was always coming in with stories, and he didn't get Wilson's humour, and Wilson didn't get him. And every day he'd come in for our production our production meeting, our meeting about what we were doing that day, and Bruce would say, "And what have you got up your fin today, Flipper?" <laughs> And then it became flips. I don't know why I remembered that. My Lord, it was nearly 40 years ago. But anyway, I wonder – we're not going to name the the
1: phenology. Oh, dear me. Oh, um, dear. What literary genre did you wholeheartedly re-embrace this summer? Oh, God, don't say a 1930s detective novel set no, in an English country I've house. Never,
2: I've never, never not <laughs> embraced that. No, you know how um, I've – I've bagged short stories for years. Oh. I just find short stories—they they, don't—I don't get them. Uh, they, they're not meaty enough. Well, I take it all back. I mean, since the diamond is big as The Ritz by F. Scott Fitzgerald, I've never really found a short story I could really like. Well, when Rose was in labour, I grabbed a book as we went to the hospital because you know it's quite long, and I wasn't going to be there standing over her the wasn't entire practicing time. Were you practising
1: your panting with her? I.
2: My <laughs> <laughs> husband was there breathe, too. Breathe. And Rose did look over a couple of times and say, "I hope that's a good book." But anyway, <laughs> it was one. It was one of Oscars, and it was by one of our favourite authors, Tessa Hadley, and it was called Bad Dreams. And there were some great stories in it, including a brilliant one called Silk Brocade and another one called An Abduction. Anyway, love Tessa Habbley, lo- Hadley. Hadley loved that, and then I grabbed one the other day at my friends in Point Lonsdale. Com Tolbin, is that how you pronounce Colum it? Toybing. Colm Toybing. Toybing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, or well, him. A book of his short stories, one of them is called Famous Blue Raincoat, which is, you know, a riff on the um, Leonard Cohen song. It was one of the most beautiful stories I've ever read. I'm back on short stories. I've got Daphne de Moria now that Anna from the Op Shop lent me months ago don't look now in other stories and I'm loving them. Oh good. Corrie, what is the weirdest money story you've heard this summer?
1: Well, I'm not sure whether this has been around for a while, Carol. It only came into my feed though a couple of days ago. So you know you may not, Tom Hollander, British actor. Yes. You'll of remember him as I playing don't. Mr. Collins in Pride and Prejudice. Yep. Um and he was also in White Lotus and the night manager. Um, he is not Tom Holland, who is the 27-year-old superstar who plays Peter Parker dash Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Correct. Universe yep. thing or whatever.
2: Tom Holland who I think, is also in... Um, uh, uh, Pirates of
1: the Caribbean.
2: Yeah, and the the brilliant um, one that we've just finished watching, again, Slow Horses.
1: Oh, is he that in that? T- t- yeah, I think he's in that too. Oh, t- I didn't know that. So anyway, um, in a recent um, series, uh, Late Night Thing with Seth Meyers, he was recalling this the time that... His uh, agency, his agent, mixed him up with um, Tom Holland. This is Tom Hollander saying, with Tom Holland. And um, instead of the Marvel Stars box office bonus going to Tom Holland, it went to the British thespian Tom Hollander. No, no. So he was just up. He was just sitting (laughs) sitting there and $30,000 just came into his account. (laughs) So look, he did. a bit ev- they muck that up? <laughs> he did eventually. That's hopeless. He did eventually um, fess up, but you'd be tempted not to, perhaps, wouldn't you? That is. Um, Caro, what, uh, what, uh, where am I to? What New Year's Eve tradition did you avail yourself of? What? Of the first time this year. I can tell that you've written the show notes this week.
2: What New Year's Eve tradition did you avail yourself of for the first time this year? Pretty simple okay. question, Corrie. I would
1: be subbing that sentence. But anyway, I didn't do the show notes this week, neither did Joel. So over to you.
2: Very simple answer, Corrie. Free trouble free public transport. Oh. Have you ever did you know you can at two A well it was quite late in the at night. We we caught the train to a fabulous party in Cremorne where there was a lot of live music. It was great. And we at quarter to two, we wandered back to Richmond Station and went home. No ticket. Everyone was on the train. Everyone have only was... been doing it
1: for about twenty five years.
2: I know. Well, I've just never caught the train on New Year's Eve in Melbourne. i am often not in Melbourne. You know, often you're away on New Year's Eve, and the trains were. You know, somebody complimented me on my outfit. It was a the theme was a touch of sparkle.
1: <sighs> that had I had
2: sparkling change, pants on.
1: No. Oh, they're our friend Anna's pants. She yes. wants them back.
2: Oh, I know. Well, I I just keep meaning to. I said, watch it. Yeah, be I like Queen, Queen Mary. I've <laughs> never. <laughs> well, Anna from the op shop wore this fabulous, sparkling jacket, and our friend Deb Conway saw her in it. She was also at the party, and she just wore it um, at an Elvis show at the Opera House in Sydney. There you go. Yeah, I know. She's on a big poster. Anna's thrilled. <laughs> anyway, someone complimented my outfit. Everyone was well behaved. Everyone was happy on the train to the party. Quarter to two, everyone was great. There was no bad drunken behaviour. I I just, how long's this been going on? It's great. There you go. What a great initiative. Um, Okay. what's the weirdest Netflix show you've watched this summer?
1: Well, it was the last episode of The Crown, Series 6. So I'm just going to show you this photograph. I watched You, You and Joel, right? So that brings back a really weird memory to me. So this is the photograph of Olivia Coleman standing beside Claire Foy uh, behind Imelda Staunton, so these so the all three, three actresses who played yep. the queens, right? The Queen, Queen Elizabeth, and I found that episode just weird. I know that the Queen had died at the time they made it, so I understand yes. that. Yep, and I understand that the it was probably quite a clever device to be having her a scene where she's going through the um, logistics of her own funeral, but I found the two queens. Behind her, like ghosts, and that long walk that she takes through giving St. her different George advice Ch- chapel.
2: One gives her one yeah. bit of advice, and one. I gives... I found that
1: so corny. After six great, well, probably
2: five great series, I wasn't that mad on it, on series six. The ghost of Diana and Dodie was a bit weird too.
1: Totally weird, and and Di coming back and talking to Charles in the in the aircraft, and 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 providing solace, letting him, him off the hook, letting him off the hook. Anyway, just
2: saying, I just found... There were moments of brilliance. The death of Princess Margaret, that episode I thought was really good. But, um, yeah, no, it was a bit odd, I suppose. It was a bit odd. I felt a bit sad at the end. I mean, we have, it's punctuated our last few years. Well, it's been a a summer regular, hasn't it? It was better when it was old and we didn't really understand, you know, we didn't know as much. (laughs) The new stuff we were a bit like, oh. mm."
1: We've read New Idea. Um, What was the toughest gig you faced over summer?
2: Going on stage with the boys from the front bar. When oh, I, I th- thought you were excellent. I was so out of my comfort zone. That was a. It was a great. And you were there this year. So Don McClarty holds his fabulous golf day where he raises money for MND. Did you
1: see we raised over a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, one hundred yeah. twenty. Yeah, dollars And Neil Danaher's lovely wife was there.
2: She spoke beautifully. Oh, so lovely. Beck Danaher was there. Um, Jan, of course, and. Um, the gig it, every year, uh, Mike Sheehan and I do something, and um, in the last few years, or some years, we've had to interview Gillen McLaughlin. This year, it was the Full Front Bar, so Andrew Marr with Sam Pang and Mick Malloy interviewed Gillen before dinner. Of course, I was after dinner. It was meant to be with Mike, but he wasn't feeling great after the golf day, so he wasn't there. I was on my own. I honestly was feeling, I mean, you know what, they, and they were working.
1: Oh, I know. At one stage, Don said, pretty blue, Don, said me, oh, Don said to oh, me, Don said, we should get you up there and you just do a little segment of the podcast. And I just, I, I thought, oh my God, I hope you're joking because there's no way I'm going. Not with that a tough crowd. crowd. Tough crowd. Not with that crowd. <laughs> I thought you did quite well. Well, yes. I mean, they're, and they're very generous performers. The, the old, the old um, line I've heard about five times with you in Sangpang. Oh, he claims I asked him to pick up my dry cleaning at 3AW once.
2: Complete lie. Absolute. I mean, I don't actually remember him, that is true, but I never would have asked him to pick up my dry cleaning. Um, anyway, that was probably my most um, nervous, out of comfort zone moment of the year and it was a pretty strong Melbourne
1: room, wasn't it? I was, pretty, <laughs> I was pretty happy to bring up the elephant in the room. Except I was sitting opposite John Barker, former Hawthorne great, so I was pretty were, happy. Yeah, yeah, you were pretty Giving him a bit of a build up, <laughs> were not you? <laughs> Gee, oh, I was I telling mean, he you was, what a good club man he was. He was a good footballer, and his wife said, "Thank you." Uh,
2: anyway, we'll just. a lot. We'll leave it at that, Corey. It's great to see you again. Great to be back. sitting
1: over the desk. It's great to be back, and great to have Joel Brooks on board, even though he's off board for a couple of weeks, swanning around the Super Bowl, having fun with Hutchie and who else? Is it? Probably was a boyo team going. Is it? Is it a boys great trip? Wait. <laughs> Jared, everybody. There's
2: a little bit of housework for you, host, before you finish off. Oh, okay.
1: Yes. Well, I have to say, of course, thank you to Red Energy. And um, don't forget, go on to redenergy.com.au if you're moving house or want to change your um, energy provider. They are the best. And also, SEN Talk is a new way that you can talk to us. Listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on the SEN app and push, push the talk button you'll see there on the top right hand of the screen and you can actually leave us a little message and then we can replay it. How interesting is that? No swear words, please, but we do love brickbats and bouquets, anything. And um, we'd love to hear from you that way. And, of course, the Dear Caro and Corrie segment will be back next week. And if you want to join that, you just um, send us an email via... Um, what is our email address? Have you had time to learn that Feedback yet, Feedback at, at dontshootpod.com.au. Don't com and we'll reme- right. what
2: do you win, Corrie, if your you dilemma gets read out you on You win a it, on- beautiful
1: pack of Ello Botanical gifts, and we love Ello Botanical. Cara and I have been living on Ello Botanical for the last year since the wonderful Claire introduced us to it. And remember, Don't Shoot Poddies receive a 20% discount from Ello Botanicals when they use the code M E 20 so, just jump on to LOELO Botanicals, their fabulous website, and they're also on Instagram, so you can see all the beautiful pictures of the beautiful faces like yours and mine. Are we on there? Maybe we're not. Are I'm we're not too sure. You'd <laughs> <Not too old.
2: laughs> be a good ad for LO oh, Botanicals. Oh, you're sweet.
1: Hey, that was fun catching up, everybody. Don't forget our 300th. We'd love to see you there at Bell's Hotel. And, Carol, what do we say?
2: Don't shoot the messenger.
0: Thanks for listening to Don't Shoot the Messenger with Caroline Wilson and Cory Perkin. We love hearing from you, so join us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Don't Shoot Pod or email us at feedback at dontshootpod.com.au. And if you'd like to support the show, the best way is to tell a friend to listen. Your word-of-mouth recommendations are really appreciated. And, of course, please support our partners who make the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast possible. Red Energy. Moving home? Trust Red Energy to power what matters most. Cobbham Estate. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested and first cold pressed in Northern Victoria. And Prince Wine Store. Bringing wine enthusiasts the greatest wine in the world. PrinceWineStore.com.au.